Hello, I'm Andrew Tuck, and you're listening to Tall Stories on Monocle 24, brought to you by the team behind The Urbanist, the show all about the cities we live in. As we mark today's funeral for Queen Elizabeth II, we explore that most British of tributes that wound its way through the streets of London while the late monarch lay in state. In line for this week's Tall Story is Monocle's Andrew Muller. All nations burnish an idealised version of a national character. It's never entirely accurate, but it's never entirely inaccurate, at least in as much that it is telling which qualities a given people boasts of having, even if they actually don't have them. The British think of themselves, certainly enjoy describing themselves, as a nation of great cures. We love a queue, the British titter to themselves, almost as if the concept of waiting in line for one's turn was a concept unheard of elsewhere. It's not just that, though. The queue embodies a number of virtues ostentatiously valued by the British in the breach, if not always the observance. Patience, stoicism, fair play. So it seems kind of fitting that one expression of mourning of Queen Elizabeth II was a queue, Specifically, the queue to witness the lying in state of the late monarch in Westminster Hall. It was a queue of unarguably impressive proportions. The impressiveness of it at any given moment could be gleaned from the helpful live online queue tracker furnished by the Department of Culture, Media and Sport. Much of the route amounted to an extremely slow-moving tour of the south bank of the River Thames, from Southwark Park under Tower Bridge and the less picturesque bridges subsequent to that, past the Tate Modern and the brutalist Leviathan of the South Bank Centre, before crossing the river on Lambeth Bridge and snaking into Westminster Hall. Beyond much doubt, one of the most beautiful indoor spaces in Europe, hovered over by wooden hammer beams installed on the instruction of Richard II, circa the late 14th century. It is just as well the views were so splendid. Putative queueurs were cautioned to prepare for waits north of 10 hours, and many waited much longer than that. The queue was anticipated, as one would certainly hope in Britain of all places. More than a thousand volunteers kept order. There were regular toilet stations and medical staff hovering. Hundreds of people who may have overestimated their queuing capacity were attended to by ambulance crews. Provisions were made for people simply physically unable to queue for that long. As is invariably the case where royalty is concerned, there were protocols. Quite a lot could not be brought into Westminster Hall. Flasks, camping equipment, flowers, sharp items, flags and more besides had to be checked at a bag drop facility just past Westminster Bridge. There were airport-style security checks. Clothes bearing political or offensive slogans could not be worn. Phones had to be silenced and photography was forbidden. No animals were allowed other than assistance dogs. There were reports of attempts to flout this one. It was noteworthy how quickly coverage and discussion of the queue settled on the name The Queue, capital T, capital Q. 
A few chortling wags floated QE2, or the Elizabeth line, but neither quite did justice to the heft, determination and presence of this strange and solemn temporary addition to London streetscape. It was the Q, and as the Q grew, it became an attraction in itself. People spoke in all seriousness of going to see the Q. Not the complete experience, perhaps, but at least there wasn't a queue for it. You've been listening to Tall Stories, a Monocle 24 production. Today's episode was written by Andrew Muller and produced and edited by David Stevens. Remember to tune in on Thursday for the full 30-minute edition of The Urbanist. I'm Andrew Tuck. Goodbye, and thank you for listening, city lovers. (laughs) 